back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday, and down in the chat room, Quarantine Ghost, Haunting the Chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Author Sam Baltrusis is with us. He's penned more than a dozen books on haunting, spooky happenings uh, of some very interesting, famous locations, Boston, Salem, uh, a lot of those wonderful places in New England. He's also been featured on several television shows on uh, you know, the travel channels, The Haunting, Most Terrifying Places, Haunted Towns, Haunted USA. He has been all over, and we're extremely happy to have him with us. He also has his uh, new pad- podcast, uh, Paranormal Rewind, uh, that kicked off this year. So, Sam, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? Don't move. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're saying don't move right now because Sam's had connection issues. I keep freezing up, so hopefully this will be just fine. So don't move. <laughs> but Sam, how you doing tonight? I'm uh, doing well. So I, I just did my show, a Paranormal Rewind, <clears throat> like right before this, and we also had technical issues too. So it must be Mercury retrograde, maybe. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Mars, right? Is. Mars is gone. Mercury is in the shadow. Oh, I can I could do an hour on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know where Uranus is right now, so I'm just. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But I have my my dowsing rods for connection, so I'll, I'll hold those up. A gold school antenna. <laughs> there you go. We could do that. We could do that. But Sam, you have a lot going on. Uh, your latest book, I really want to uh, kind of dive into and get into here. Uh, the uh, Haunted Hotels, and we'll throw the graphic up here. Haunted Hotels of New England. There is a link down in the description for those that are interested in it. Uh, you, you've you been, uh, I mean, you're a prolific writer. You've been writing for uh, many years. You used to be a journalist, and this is your latest here. So what prompted you to get into the hotel aspect of uh, paranormal activity and hauntings? Well, Mike, I, I, I actually worked the overnight shift at uh, several hotels uh, throughout New England. And a lot of it, I found that it worked really well with my writing schedule. So uh, I would work the overnight shift and then uh, I would write my books while I was working the overnight shift. But what was happening is I was working at some of the most haunted hotels in New England. And some of them didn't have a reputation for being haunted. So that turned into this book, Haunted Hotels of New England. And uh, you're actually featured at the very end because I had an experience that was featured recently on the TV show, Paranormal Night Shift, uh, an encounter that I had with a man with a hat. So I had to, I wanted to get that experience into a book because I felt like uh, people wanted the backstory to what really happened uh, in the uh, the in the segment that I was featuring uh, me encountering a man with a hat in Salem while working the overnight shift. So it was my personal experiences coupled with going to some of the most haunted hotels throughout New England. I didn't work at all the hotels featured in the book, but I did have experiences at most of them. Fantastic. And yeah, I remember uh, you hit me up about the uh, the man in the hat. Sorry, I was taking care of because my system is going crazy here. <laughs> Still, um, yeah, you you hit me up about that uh, that hat man experience, which is you know extremely interesting to me because it it's part of the uh, the shadow person realm. So, uh, can you tell us our viewers a little bit more about that experience? Kind of give them a little preview here of what to expect in that story. 
Yeah, so in the book, uh, How Many Hotels in New England, I really do kind of give you the backstory and we kind of dissect it. And you, you did a great job helping me kind of differentiate whether or not it was, in fact, a hat person. But this is back in uh, 2017. Uh, I started working for a boutique hotel in Seattle, Massachusetts, uh, also known as the Witch City, uh, for those who uh, visit during the during Halloween. But uh, so I was working the overnight shift and it was off season, so I didn't really expect to. Uh, I guess to have a paranormal experience, but I uh, started working at this new hotel that opened up in a very old building. And I uh, started experiencing what seemed like like a black mass. Uh, so it was like this black cloud that was kind of like moving about the, the lobby of the hotel. I thought maybe it was dust or wasn't really sure what it was, but I just thought it was weird that, that this black mass was kind of moving. Then I had um, what sounded like uh, an elevator. Uh, an elevator was kind of acting up the whole time and it just, the hotel just opened up. Uh, we didn't really have very many guests because it was in no November, December, January, which is off season in Salem. So there was like two or three guests in the hotel. Uh, there was one situation where it sounded like someone was like knocking on the elevator on the inside, but there was nobody in the elevator. Uh, and then, then there's the basement. The basement was uh, current was being uh, renovated because it was an old building and it was kind of like off limits. And the only thing that was really down in the basement was the coffee maker. Uh, so I had to go down there to get my coffee for the overnight shift and also coffee. If guests wanted coffee, I would go down in the basement. I hated going down in the basement mainly because it it was um, it was still under construction. So there was uh, tarps everywhere and there was. Uh, you know, just sit, like dust on the on the ground and just kind of kind of a creepy environment. Uh, but, but I there heard was coffee. Was kind of like, what? But there was coffee. Oh yeah, and the thing <laughs> is, like my mom, my mother, who watched the the show, uh, she's like Sam, the mother Southern. She's like Sam, that show was a little bit off. And I'm like, what do you mean, mom? And I'm like, she's like, you never would have gone down in that basement. And I'm like. Mom, I heard someone like moaning down in the basement and I thought maybe someone was trapped in the elevator or something. And and she's like, and I'm like, and, and she's like, you just would never go down there. And I'm like, mom, the coffee maker was downstairs. Exactly. Like, oh, that's that's my son. You know, and I'm like, yes. And that that is why I had to go down in the basement. And so I um I was down and I heard what sounded like a man in pain. Um and it was what was weird about it is it was coming through the walls. So if you know the whole backstory of, of Salem, like that area where I was working had underground tunnels that were used for smuggling goods during um, like usually like it was like 17, 1800s. So they would smuggle in goods, uh, privateers or pirates would smuggle in goods. So there were tunnels actually beneath the whole the hotel that I was working at. So I, you know, when I heard the moans, I thought maybe it was uh, someone that was working late next door there's a bookstore right next to the hotel uh there's also a, a what is called the magic parlor which is uh, kind of like a um like magic you know like they have like ouija boards and that kind of stuff in the store right next to the hotel so i thought maybe it was someone was working this is like three in the morning uh, so i go up to investigate make, making sure that no one was either hurt or uh, someone was trying to break into the into the bookstore and I um, I heard what sounded like kind of like a banging of a metal, like someone was taking a piece of metal and, and banging it really loud to get my attention. And then I, I look up and I see what looks like a man with a hat. Um, so it's like this black figure. Uh, it's not like he was depicted in the TV show Paranormal Night Shift, 
there was no, you couldn't tell his features, but you could tell that he had red glowing eyes. And when I looked at him, I was terrified, but I was also frozen in fear. And what was interesting about this interaction is I was psychically connecting with this entity while I was looking at him. And he was saying, can you see me? And I'm like, yes, I can see you. And I, did, I said that without words. We were kind of like tele, telepathically connecting. And I was like, <gasps> and, I, and I was able to kind of like run. And, and this is the part that kind of confused me. I then hear what sounded like a woman screaming uh, in the alley down the street. And now, oh, we lost his volume. Oh, <laughs> I got the so, chills when he said that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll get his volume back here in a moment. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting story that uh, he conveyed. And Sam, we don't hear you. Oh, can you hear me now? Now we can hear you. There we go. So we uh, we got cut off when you heard the woman screaming. Okay, yeah, that's that's so strange. I heard the woman screaming, and um, I I basically I ran I ran back. I ended up leaving that job two days after that because I couldn't deal with that happening again. And then I um, I basically I had to deal. I would give tours in Salem, and I actually had experiences multiple times with a man with a hat. Yes, it was really interesting to me is how you were able to hear it telepathically and you heard that voice in your head. Uh, how exactly did that voice sound to you? Did it sound like a man's voice, deep, high-pitched, anything like that that you could describe? Did you lose us again? Yeah, I, I, it was cutting out, Mike. Okay, we'll try it again. Um What's really interesting to me uh, about your story is how you were able to hear this hat person telepathically. You were able to hear that voice. And uh, something I'm curious about is how did that voice sound? Was it, you know, was it a man's voice? Did it have a deep resonance to it or was it more high pitch? How did it actually sound to you? It sounded like a gravelly, gravelly male, male voice. It was like, uh, like a, a, that's, it, it was a very, very deep. Uh, and, um, yeah, d definitely, definitely, uh, I would say male, uh, and the part that still haunts me are the red glowing eyes. Yeah. Have you seen anything like that since then or had any more encounters with him? Yeah, no, he stalked me for, for about a, a month and a half, about a year and a half. Uh, really? yeah, yeah. So it, it was ongoing. It wasn't, that was the first time that was the first of many times, uh, mm -hmm. having an encounter with, with the man with the hat. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, what were the other encounters? Well, there was one time I was I was giving a, a tour, and so I kept I you know in the show I I basically found out that I was related to the Putnam family, and which is a huge revelation yeah. that I've been giving tours in Salem for about you know ten years now, and the fact that I was so uh, kind of like obsessed with the Salem witch trials, it all made sense, and so I thought that maybe this man was tied to the witch trials. And I was like, you know, maybe, you know, he was a person, maybe it was Giles Corey. Maybe it was, it was, uh, you know, someone that was explainable. And so I, I was not as afraid of it, but then I was giving a tour one night in Salem and I, um, I, I was, as I was going, you know, there was like a stairwell. He kind of peeked around the, uh, the stairwell while I was giving tours about when I was about to give tours. And 
And I also, he, he came through when I was giving a lecture at the Hawthorne Hotel in the basement in the, in the library area uh, with Jack Kenna. Uh, he was walking like, kind of behind the, uh, the projector area uh, while I was giving my lecture. So I saw him multiple times and, and you know, it just, it kept going and going to the point where I reached out. I reached out to my friend, uh, Dina Masson, who was a high priestess and we did kind of like a, um, an Estes method session to talk to the entity. And it turns out that um, when, when I asked like, well, you know, what do you want from me? Or, and or Dana asked the question for me and the entity said, your energy. So it was feeding Ooh. off my energy yeah. and my fear. Yeah, so, so he it, wasn't tied to the one spot. He would actually follow you around town. Yeah, but he would not leave Salem, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he was, he was at the spot and that's the spot. And the, the tours, by the way, are right around the corner. So it's all in within the same block. So I wasn't as surprised about seeing him at the tour office because it was literally around the corner from the hotel. But the part that kind of freaked me out was seeing him at the Hawthorne Hotel too. Like that's down the street on Essex Street. And to give you an idea with Salem, downtown Salem, this is all within like five minute walking distance. So it's, it's all like really close together. So is that tied into the witch trials or maybe the executions, all that area down there? I've never been. I really want to go. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, <clears throat> I mean, as, as I say in the show, this, the, the, the land is stained with blood. I mean, that whole right. area uh, where I was working that it's called Essex street. That was judges mm -hmm. row and judges okay. row were all the, all the magistrates who were the judges during the Salem witch trials mm -hmm. uh, right across the street is where Bridget Bishop's apple orchard. She was the first one, first to be executed and the only one to be executed by herself. Uh, that's where her, she lives. So the victim, one of the, the first victim lived right across the street from the judges. And, oh. and it, it was also a stone's throw from where the actual witch trials took place, which is right on Washington street. So within this radius of like a, you know, a couple of blocks mm -hmm. is, is where the Salem witch trials actually took place. So he was just tying himself to you. Do you think it's because you are related to him or is it just because you just happened to be there? Well, you know, I didn't know about me being related to the Putnam family until about a year and a half ago. And it was right around the time when I had the first encounter. So I, I had the encounter with the man with the hat and about mm -hmm. three months later is when I had, uh, my mother calls me and the, she's like, Sam, Sam, I think we burned witches. And oh, I'm, no. like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, mom, they were hanged, not burned. Give me some names. And so she, she basically did, um, it's, she did our genealogy and I, I never looked, I never thought about doing our genealogy at all. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and she's like, you know, I knew we were from Rhode Island, but I didn't know that we had ties to the Salem witch trials. And we're also related to Lizzie Borden as well. And the Borden oh, wow. family. Yeah. So double whammy. Cause those are the yeah. two locations that focus on Salem and and Lizzie Borden as, as a researcher, paranormal researcher, historian, and the fact that I'm related to both of those is kind of kind of freaky. What are the odds? You have some dubious ties <laughs> yeah. there, Sam. Yeah. What a fun family reunion you must have. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, my, my, my mother is Southern, so I grew up, I grew up in, in Florida, in the, the panhandle right by Alabama. I moved here in the 90s and never would ever, ever guess that I had any ties to anyone from from you know from the witch trials or lizzie borden and i i knew that we had like my grandfather had ties to rhode island but i didn't i didn't really know that until later in life so it you know it's been a it's been kind of like my whole life makes sense now it like drew you there 
Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how things kind of yeah. come full circle like that. So uh, we do have quite a few questions uh, coming out of the chat. And so, you know, some people like Tim Schoen were wondering uh, if you were able to determine why the building might be haunted. But it sounds like just a lot of this history is, is really playing into uh, the activity down there. Yeah, I mean, what what I what I would get tell Tim is and people ask me, like, is like what hotel was it? And I can't tell you what hotel it was. It was not the Hawthorne Hotel. Uh, but I can tell you that I don't think that the hotel is haunted. I think Salem is haunted. And I think that the, the entity doesn't just hang out at that hotel. It hangs out all over, you know, all over Salem. And I think also, you know, maybe like I, I first thought maybe it was conjured, like maybe some like a weekend witch decided to conjure up something and it conjured up something really bad kind of thing. And I got, I was able to kind of connect with it uh, or, you know, or maybe I'm haunted. Maybe this entity wanted to talk to me specifically and wants my energy, which is what I got toward the end of the book. Wow. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> you know, would make a lot of sense, but you, you brought up the weekend witches and, and, you know, people that go to Salem to kind of tap into the energy there and go visit and tour and all that. Uh, I imagine there is a, a lot of that type of uh, those type of things that happen there, like somebody trying to conjure something up. Do you do you see a lot of that happening down there? Oh, yeah. And I as someone who I, I use the craft uh, out in the field. Uh, hmm. So I've done when it comes to protection, I, I definitely have done. You know, I do what is called a crystal shield. Uh, and then that's something that my high priestess friend, Adina Mason, uh, taught me how to do, and it actually works. So I do use techniques that are considered ritual out in the field. But yeah, I mean, I there are candles at some of these shops in Salem. It's like conjure a ghost uh, candles. And I I don't think that's a good idea. You know, it's not a good right. idea to conjure a ghost while you're visiting Salem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it makes you wonder almost, you know, how much of it is, you know, Salem itself dating back to the the history and the witch trials and all that and how much of it is uh what people have brought in to try to conjure something up themselves yeah there there's a active like there's a you know a a lot of uh modern day witches and i'm friends with a lot of them so i'm not i'm not you know downing them but there are people who want to like i watched hocus pocus and they they were like oh i want to be a witch and they come in for the weekend and they'll do uh, a necro- necromancy, which is raising the dead ritual in Salem, without even knowing what they're doing, you know, and you, you don't you don't do that. And I do think that 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 could be the case why that there are you know thought forms. And you know, Mike, you and I talked about this too. Yeah. I give tours in Salem. Maybe telling the that story of you know, uh, you know, of Salem, of of the victims, of you know, of the various ghosts. Maybe we created this. Maybe the tour guides created like a thought form or a tulpa. So mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't a weekend witch. Or maybe it was someone like myself who's a tour guide who somehow, you know, called up this spirit by talking about it and gave it energy. Now, did you see the um, hat man before you went down in the basement? Or that's no, I, no, I didn't see the hat man. I saw what looked like a black mass, like a cloud. Uh-huh. And and I and I didn't see the hat man until actually I didn't see the hat man until I came up uh, up to the window and, and 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 saw him for the first time. So I it was like it came in different forms. It did, it was mm-hmm. like a black mass, and then it was like a shadow, and then it then it was then it was the the actual full formed a uh, hat man or man with a hat uh, 
in the window upstairs. Wow. So do you think maybe you triggered something when you went downstairs? Maybe it was just like the, the perfect storm or something? I think that it was it was trying to manifest and it was using okay. my energy to manifest. And the more fear, the more afraid I was, the more energy it was getting. That's something I've always wondered. Um, those of us who do paranormal investigations and researching and things, we we want to see these kind of things. And then when we actually do, we're terrified. What what's why why do you think we're so scared of something we're really looking for? Well, I think that we're not trying to look for them. I wasn't I was trying to work at my job. Right. Well, no, not you, but, but I, like I, wasn't, I wasn't investigating. So, I was at, so I was trying working. to earn a living. Yeah. And so yeah, and I'm really, I mean, really, I, I am, I'm clairvoyant. So mm -hmm. I, so that's something that's come, come about as, as I've developed, kind of come into my, my nature, who I am as a person. Um, so I, I don't chase ghosts, ghosts chase me. Um, oh, I say that all the time. <laughs> you really? Yeah. I, 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 and so I, I don't, I don't look for them and they, they look, they look for me. <laughs> they do. Yeah. My ex-husband died and spent three weeks with me and I didn't know he was dead. So, you know, so just go on, you know, leave me alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so let so, me ask you this, Sam, since you did bring up um, the idea of the thought forms and the tulpas, um, what if just uh, hypothetically speaking here, what if this hat man mm -hmm. with the red eyes was a thought form or a tulpa that was created during one of your tours and during this chance encounter you happened across it once again and it recognized you from when it took that form yeah one of my i i pray that i did not create this you know like in other words right. it's like my thought form <laughs> Um, I, I seriously don't think that I did. I think I stumbled on something that may have been like conjured by somebody else. Okay. Uh, and I don't like, I I've actually have never, um, had an experience with a man with a hat before until this. Uh, so this is my first, like, I know like you, Mike, you had experiences right. with shadow people most of your life. I have not. So I usually, I usually connect with higher, like higher level entities or, or beings. And I don't, I usually don't connect with, you know, like a shadow person or a man with a hat. And, you know, I'm still not convinced. I'm not sure that it was actually a, a, a hat man or a man with a hat. I, you know, it could have been a person that was, yeah. that had a hat, you know, and that's something that I debate my book as well. Yeah, that's something that we discussed that some of these shadow entities are not, you know, an interdimensional being or like the quote unquote, you know, hat, the notorious type of hat man. And sometimes they're just regular people trying to manifest and they can't quite take a form and just come off as a as a shadow because they can't fully manifest. So, you know, was that since you are a clairvoyant, was that the type of energy that you were feeling with this particular entity? I, I go back and forth, Mike. Um, yeah. Like when I when I first encountered it, I thought for sure that it was it was a, a person. Like it was a, a really angry person, but it was a person. And then and then as time kind of, I'm like started finding out more about the man with a hat, and it had characteristics that to me are more emblematic of 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 the man with a hat that we've talked about. Other people have talked about as well. Okay. <clears throat> now there's. There have to be more hotels than just that one in this book. So can you uh, give us a little highlight of some of the other hotels that you talk about in your book? 
Yeah, so I, you know, speaking of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, I, I revisited the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast recently uh, with a show called uh, The Dark Zone TV. It was like a live streaming uh, event. And I was able to go back and talk about my lineage with also with Lizzie Borden as well. Um, I did the Estes Method session with a twist uh, where I was able to uh, kind of go, like use the Estes Method to communicate with the spirits of the house uh, and kind of like, let them know that, you know, that, you know, hey, I'm related to, to you guys. Um, so Lizzie Borden is number one in the book uh, and I do it in, in order. So I, I do as the, what I think is the most haunted hotel and and Lizzie Borden is number one and it, it goes as it goes to the Hawthorne Hotel as well. Uh, it goes to Concord's Colonial Inn um, and which is new to the book. Um, I'll, I'll give you the rundown, but yeah, I have a lot of different <laughs> hotels throughout New England. One of my favorite hotels was, um, the, the, there's a Charles Hotel in, in Bangor, Maine. And I was doing research for my book, Ghostwriters, and I was able to visit all the locations where Stephen King was inspired. Uh, and I was able to go to Stephen King's house. Uh, but this hotel is also very haunted and that featured in my book as well in, in Bangor, Maine. So I have locations in Maine, uh, Connecticut, uh, and I have a, a lot of Massachusetts and Rhode Island as well. Fantastic. Stephen King home? <laughs> You know, I, I was like, I felt like I was like stalking him. So I was, I'm like, let me in. Mr. King. And right. I, I was told he's actually in Florida because I, I, I went during the winter. So I was told by my tour guide, Stu Tinker, that uh, Stephen King and his wife, Tabitha, were, were, were resting in their home in uh, Florida. So I'm like, darn, I could, I was, because I really wanted to interview Stephen. Oh, sure. And I, I, I reached out, I reached out to his assistant and she said, you know, he, you know, he's aware of you and he's like, but unfortunately he doesn't do it, do it interviews. So I'm like, I really want to talk. Cause he's, he's my idol. Okay. I actually, I, I bumped into Stephen King about a year ago on the street of, uh, of Boston oh. and he's a, a big red star. Yes, he is. <laughs> and we lost Sam, but yes, he's a, he's a massive Red Sox fan. Oh, Uh-oh. <laughs> Sam, come back. I want to hear he more of your stories. Get the dowsing rods. Well, hmm. Well, hopefully we'll get him back here in a moment. Um, Sam, we, we totally was, lost you. We, yeah, I don't it, know what's going on. I think it's the hat man. It's yeah. like messing with my connection here. We're, we're talking yeah, about the energy. We, we lost you at uh, Stephen King being a Red Sox fan. Oh, yeah. So I, I was like, basically, I saw him on the street, and I ended up like, like kind of like following him on the street to try to, I guess, talk to him. And I think he started like running away from me. And oh, I no. think he was kind of <laughs> stalking him or something. So I, I never, um, I, I didn't pursue it after that. I wanted to, to interview him for my book, Ghostwriters. Yeah. Which here we have a graphic for that as well in your collection of books here, Ghostwriters. Uh, and these are just, these are not all of your books. These are just a handful of them. You, uh, you have, you, like I said earlier, you're a prolific writer and you have tons of books, but um, yes, that's amazing. Um, and I actually lost my train of thought as to the next question I was going to ask you because of the cutoff so um oh yeah uh li the lizzie borden house so what do you think did lizzie do it well uh if you watch <clears throat> the it was the called the dark zone and, and to give them a plug um, i've done the first i did the conjuring house dark zone and i just did the lizzie borden dark zone and i'll tell you it's a very comprehensive live stream and I was able to revisit the case with fresh eyes with all these different experts coming in uh, during the darkzone.tv. And I will tell you, um, 
after I think Lizzie did it, but I don't think she did it alone. And mm -hmm. they had a group of, of um, remote viewers come in to like revisit the crime scene. And they picked up that a male and a female committed the crime. Now, I also got as a clairvoyant that maybe Bridget Sullivan, who was the maid uh, mm -hmm. during the murders, uh, was involved. And maybe either Bridget or Lizzie dressed as a man. Uh, Interesting. Like, there was like a gender swap because the, they picked up that that it was a man and a woman, but they picked up, they drew the face of the man and the man looked like Lizzie Borden. Oh, wow. interesting. Okay. Now I have to check that out. Um, yeah, I always wonder, you know, about, um, you know, Bridget Sullivan because she was supposed to be washing windows outside when all of this happened. But, um, you know, I have not yet had the pleasure of going to the Lizzie Borden house, which is kind of strange given all the, you know, I lived out in Massachusetts for 10 years. And of course, you know, I've visited out there several times as well, but one of these days, uh, but given again, that you're a clairvoyant and you know, you've been there, um, how much of that energy is there from those murders? And then decades beforehand in an older part of the family with the, uh, children that were dropped down the cistern, because that's, that's a story that people don't really talk about so much. Yeah, so there, there's a story that was happened literally next door to a, a Borden family member. Now, it was not she's the the woman that committed these murders before was not tied through blood to Lizzie, but she was related uh, through marriage to Lizzie. So she ended up what seemed like postpartum depression, mm -hmm. uh, took a straight razor and killed her children, uh, and uh, and then committed suicide. And this was. That was the good we part. lost him again. <laughs> I've never heard this story. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a it's a story that you know gets overshadowed because of uh, the, the story of Lizzie Borden, but you know it was it was right there as well. Um, and there he is. He's back again. Oh, wow. <laughs> we yeah, lost I'm, we lost you at straight razor. Yeah. So so you lost me at straight razor. Yeah. So I think that there may be something more sinister in the bowels of the house that may have taken over Lizzie. Um, I, I'm in that school. I'm in a school that, that, you know, I have had recurring dreams over and over with, you know, about the murders and I see a woman and I see like subtitles and it said Diablo did it like the devil oh, did wow. it. Okay. Yeah. Now I see you have a book on mass murders and it, everything else was all about ghosts and hauntings and histories and all of a sudden, boom, mass murder. Did Lizzie Borden trigger that? I'm all about yeah, so I, <laughs> yeah, or my, or maybe my publisher triggered that. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, I came up with the title, by the way. But yeah, so <laughs> yes, I, I a lot of the, well, the, the mass murders actually is is uh, haunting. So it's haunted crime scenes. Okay. Uh, so it's not, but it's historical crimes. I wanted to focus on the Lady of the Dunes, which is a, a case in Provincetown in Cape Cod that um, that 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 to me is still needs to be solved and i wanted to revisit revisit it with a uh with a, a lens a paranormal lens uh and there's also lizzie borden as well and then um a lot of a lot of historical murders that happen in massachusetts uh, are more historical than modern but yeah definitely historical why why so many there is i mean is it just the history of it or the land i know everything's tied to the land but uh why is there so much in New England. Well, I mean, our country was founded in New England. So mm -hmm. the, this area that I focused on uh, 
you know, dates back to the 1600s. So the, these are murders that go back to 1617, 1800s. So we have we have 400 years of history, and also the the Native American history that happened before that too. Uh, so I do, you know, I do think that a lot. Like what I really wanted to do is to give a voice to the victims as opposed to focus on the perpetrators. Uh, and as someone who's clairvoyant and, and tapped into, you know, into that, I think that that they're often overlooked. And I wanted to kind of give them a name and give them a voice. And I I, I feel like I did that with Mass Murders with that book. I, I feel like that it's not, you know, like we talk about DeSalvo, uh, the Boston Strangler, mm-hmm. but what about you know, like, what about the victims? What about the victims that he killed? Right. Give them a voice. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's fantastic that you're yeah. taking uh, that perspective from from the victims. Um, from Sharon Lane, we have some questions coming in from the chat, I'll, and we'll get to a couple of these. Sharon Lane was wondering if you thought Lizzie was perhaps abused by her father. Yeah. So unfortunately, when I was doing the Estes method uh, channeling session. I got up a lot. I picked up a lot of sexual abuse. There's no proof whatsoever uh, historically that that there was an incestuous relationship between the father and Lizzie, but <clears throat> it came through the spirit box and through my channeling session over and over and over again. Not only was Lizzie abused, but so was Bridget Sullivan, the maid. Oh wow! So the ghosts, the ghosts want to talk about it, and it's and. When I was going to the channeling session, um, I basically was reliving a rape uh, on camera and it was horrible. It was horrible. I was, my mouth was being held back and I I basically am on camera uh, talking about being abused. So yeah, I mean, there was definitely abuse there. Was it Andrew Borden, the father? I'm not sure, but it was, it was definitely a male that attacked the women. Okay. Wow. Uh, It had to be incredible to go through that. It, it was, I was with my friend Susan Slaughter, uh, and she was right next to me, and I was in tears, and I was like, <gasps> and and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was basically going through, and it's, they were showing me physically and and emotionally what was going, what happened to them, and the question was like, what you know, what happened? What you know, were you abused? And and I also got um, bloody rags, and I thought it was the blood from the father or the mother Abby being murdered, like being hit over the head with a hatchet. But what I got from it, it was, um, it was the, their menstrual cycle. And the father was like saying, that's nasty. That's nasty. Talking about them being women. And there was a total misogyny, anti-women thing going on in that house. Yeah. It was like a huge sin. It was, you know, disgraceful go away. You know, the red tent, you know, all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, how horrible. Yeah, it, it's absolutely terrible. Uh, from Judy Wilson, if spirits need energy to come through, if no one is around, do they then just fade away? Well, I, I think certain sp- certain spirits need energy and others don't need energy. So I think we're talking about the hat man, I think, or shadow people. Um, I think that they feed off energy. And I'm from the school, um, <clears throat> Thunder Strikes back in 2001. Uh, I think that we talked about it, about this on uh, Art Bell's show, uh, that they feed off their energy vampires. And I think that, that they definitely, entities feed off our energy spirits. I'm not, I don't think that they need our energy. I think that some of the, some of the spirits, uh, are able to manifest on their own. I think they use other sources of, of, of energy, but entities, especially energy vampires, do feed off our energy. 
Okay. So if, if they need our energy, is that why you find a lot of them hiding like in the in the basement or in the attic? Like they've pulled away because they just don't have the energy. And they're just waiting like for a scythe to come by or something. Well, I, I think like energy, it could be our energy or it could be like electricity or okay. it could be like, like, a, like there's different sources that fuel, fuel their energy. I think certain entities feed off different kinds of energy. I think getting to shadow people, it might correct me. You're, you're the expert on shadow people, but um, I, I get that they feed off fear or extreme emotion, okay. and especially the man with a hat spirits completely different story like the spirits that i encounter which is 99.9 percent .9 of the time um are i they i don't feel like they feed off my energy at all they're draining but they don't feed off my energy <laughs> yeah I, I would agree with you sam the uh the the ones like the hat man the ones that we actually consider you know kind of quote unquote vampires you know strike fear into the person and feed off of that energy generated by the fear whereas the other ones even if it's a uh, a shadow that's just a human spirit they don't necessarily need that energy of a person like that like the fear uh to be able to uh to be able to have energy so i, I would agree with you there uh, b3 airspace speaking of energy <laughs> b3 airspace is wondering uh, if you always have this much energy and then um, quarantine goes following up on that. And if you uh, if you could bottle that, that would be wonderful. Because <laughs> uh, they're just they like your energy, which is great. Uh, Fairy Queen, that's Diane Hilbert, is wondering if you know Lori Cabot. Yeah, um, I <clears throat> I interviewed Lori Cabot in my book, Wicked Salem. And first time ever meeting her, she's actually two women in my life that are people that I really looked up to and wanted to meet to meet. Uh, one was Lorraine Warren and the second was Lori Cabot. And I was able to finally meet her and, and interview her for my book, Wicked Salem. And she. And we lost him again. We lost you, Sam. He needs his dowsing rods. Yeah, he needs the dowsing yeah. rods. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Now we can hear you. So you have to re you'll have to repeat that whole thing. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, Lori Cabot's in my book, uh, Wicked Salem, and I was able to meet her. The two people that I look up to uh, throughout the years, uh, you guys, know, as, as a journalist and as, as someone that's uh, clairvoyant, um, Lori Cabot was one, and and Lorraine Warren was the, was the second. I wasn't able to meet Lorraine Warren, but I did meet Lori Cabot, and she's featured in my book, uh, Wicked Salem. Okay. Is there a good time of the year to go, um, like for someone like me who's never been, and I don't want to go at the touristy time, but I actually want to go and experience Salem in its most authentic Salemness. Is there a good time to go? Yeah, definitely go off season. I highly recommend Salem, uh, not in October, even the summertime, <laughs> you can kind of get the feeling of it. And also if you go on the anniversary of some of the executions, it was, you know, like the executions happened in, you know, in June, July, August, and September. Okay. And if you're, you know, if you're a ghost person like, like I am, uh, you want to go on the anniversary of the executions. Cause I think that there's a certain energy mm -hmm. that apparently has a calendar. Uh, and, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I would say I would recommend during the summer or September. Okay. What are summers hot? I, you know, <laughs> no, not like Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and New England here, is so. much different in the summer than Texas. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're talking like 70 degrees. Like that's, that's well, hot for us. Oh hush! Okay, when we get back from Ireland, let's 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 go on a tour. Oh yeah, you you would love it up there, Victoria. 
You're, no, I mean, he's going to Ireland with us. Oh, right. He's going to right. Ireland with us. <laughs> I'm going to talk to my friend Keith Bailey, who's my co-host on Paranormal Rewind. Um, I think that he would want to go. So we'll yeah. we'll hopefully. And he he's he loves Mike Ricksecker. So we'll see. We'll see if we can get a, a trip to Ireland next year. <laughs> and we would love to have you both along. That would be absolutely fantastic. Keith and I have common friends. So, I mean, legitimately, we grew up together. So, yeah. Bring That's him. cool. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, Keith's a riot. When we're out in the field together, it's like it's like um, yin and yang, you know. Like I'm kind of like the serious one. He's kind of like, hey Sam, you know, uh, like there's a ghost kind of thing. You're the serious one. I'm the serious (laughs) one. Okay. Okay. Sam's a serious one, but he's still fun. Yeah, I have fun, but I I keep because Keith is so like excited, and I'm like Keith, you got to kind of calm down here, you know. It's like. That's just the way we roll down here. You know, we, we're yeah. full of energy. <laughs> Definitely bigger bigger and better in, in Texas. So he, he's always like, say, we got to come down to Texas. Because I grew up, I mean, I grew up in the South. So like, I, I got, but I, I never would, I would go to, to Houston or wherever. I don't know how you guys say it down there. But Houston. I, Houston. <laughs> With like a Y, right? Yeah. Houston. I, I spent a lot of time in New Orleans and then a lot of time in like Mobile, Alabama, but not a lot of time in, in Houston or, or Texas. So, I would visit, but I like for short periods of time, but not spend a long time in, in Texas. That's the way most of us feel, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of come and go. So, yeah, it'd be fun. Come down. We'll get Keith. I'm going to Yorktown in a couple of weeks. So that's like a big crazy hospital down here. So, <laughs> oh, very uh, cool. Uh, oh, I'm doing the Texas Paracon next year too, by the way. Oh, I'm, I'm about to get on. Um, as we used to say, or we still say, I'm fixing to get my tickets for that. <laughs> you gotta go, I'm like, and I, I'm, I'm going to be there, and uh, Keith Bailey is going to be there as well. Um, I would, I mean, Mike, are you going to be there, Texas Paracon? Um, oh, I'm not slated, uh, I, so I don't know who uh, I would have to talk <laughs> to to get on that docket. For you, All right. And, and, and so, so yeah, but Mike's going to be at Mass Paracon, which is yeah. the Paracon that I produce. In Massachusetts, so he's going to be there uh, next September. Uh, I forget the exact dates, Mike, but end of September of next year, and it's going to be um, the it's going to be in uh, Quincy, Massachusetts. So uh, it's a stone's throw. It's just right by Boston, and then it's also close to Salem as well, about twenty minutes away from Salem. So, and you know, Victoria, if you want to go go to that, then you can visit Salem. I'm there. Okay, what day? September. <laughs> yeah, end of September next year. Yeah, I forget the dates too, but yeah, Wait, next September. The 19th, I think. But you can go to massparacon.com to to get more information about the the dates. I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling next year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've done none this year. So. <laughs> Nobody's been able to do any of this year. It's crazy. Yeah, if you come to Texas, you have to self quarantine two weeks yeah. when you go back home. So nobody's coming. <laughs> although, although I am traveling this coming weekend, I am going to be in Rhode Island. So. Ooh. Oh, you are. I am uh, working on a film project with uh, Carl Johnson, so it'll be interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, speaking well, yeah. of, what's that? Uh, so I won't, I won't like, I won't try to like butt in or anything. I'll be like, <laughs> "Hey, Mike, how's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could stop off and say hi, visit for a few minutes. Maybe and do and where do like I that. send my resume? To which one of y'all? but uh, speaking of events sam you also have that film fest coming up next month let's talk a little bit about that yeah so it is uh, it's called the wicked virtual film fest uh it is 
we have it. We're, we're basically, it's a 13 hour film fest. I'm, I'm partnering with my good friend, Roxy Zwicker, uh, who's a fellow ghostwriter. She's based in, in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And she did a film. I, I'm the um, operations director for the Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival. And uh, so I, I'm like, you know, I want to do something for Halloween because we don't really have Halloween this year. So I basically came up with the idea with Roxy to do a 13-hour film festival. Starts at 7 p.m. October 30th and lasts overnight until the morning, 8, o'clock, eight in the morning. And um, yes, yeah, so we have films, we have documentaries. We have uh, The Soul of the Sea Witch, which is on the U.S. of Salem. We have the Bridgewater Triangle documentary. Uh, we have a documentary called Afraid of Nothing. Uh, Brandon Alvis from, uh, from Ghost Hunters on A&E. He has a, a film called Cemetery Park that's playing as well. Ooh. Fantastic. Am I back? Yeah. You're back. Well, fun. we heard you, but <laughs> you just weren't moving. So we were good. We heard all like, of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's... It, it's going to be a it's going to be an amazing 13 hour events uh we're partnering with a group like we can't announce it yet but we're going to be able partner so it's going to uh, be broadcast to uh, thousands of more people uh so this, get your tickets while you can because you may not be able to, to have access because <laughs> it's, it's it's going to be it's definitely going to get a lot of eyeballs yeah, sounds like it's going to be fantastic, and the lineup is amazing. So, really looking forward to this. And uh, how can people, uh, you know, find out ticket information and check out the film fest? So, right now we have it's on the Paranormal Rewind website. So it's paranormalrewind.com, and you go to the upper right hand corner, hit Film Fest, and then you'll be able to uh, to click onto the Wicked Virtual Film Fest. Uh, and as we get closer to October, we'll have more ways to. And we lost him again, but uh, I did see that quarantine ghost down in the chat has posted the uh, the link to Eventbrite. So we thank quarantine ghost for posting that link. And Sam, are you back? Because we lost you there for a moment. And I don't know. He's his head's we moving. Can hear but... I can, I can okay, hear there we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> you weren't you weren't kidding what? about your connection being glitchy tonight. So. <laughs> It's like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, well you see, Mars is mer- retrograde. You're back to Mars retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> well, Candy Orton down in the chat earlier was saying that uh, there was somebody near you that wasn't wanting uh, you to reveal some of the information you're talking about tonight. So it could be some of that, Ooh. too, because your image was also looking a little blurry there for a moment. So I don't know. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, and th- that is true. I mean, when you talk about... I don't want to talk about it because I don't want our camera to, to go, but you talk about a certain <laughs> entity, it will mess up the connection. Yeah. So and it's happened every time I try to talk about it, Mike, I'll be honest with you. Wow. I believe it. I believe it. Um, we do have a uh, question here from Sharon Lane uh, regarding that. Uh, what does Sam think about paranormal tourists visiting these hotels, leaving their energy? Does it create layers and layers uh, like that? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, to me, like haunted hotels is that it's um, <clears throat> like a psychic imprint of all the hundreds of people that go in and out of these buildings over the years, and they little leave a little a piece of themselves at the hotel. And you don't have to be dead to leave a piece of yourself at the hotel. You can you know have a happy moment like you know, like like a wedding or you know or or you know or you know in one case I had I was working the overnight shift and a woman was. 
uh, I saw what looked like a like a woman running out in the lobby, and then five minutes later, she came out, and it was the same woman with a blue shirt on, and it was like a doppelganger, and she's like, I just had a dream that I missed my missed my shuttle, and I'm like, ma'am, you didn't miss your shuttle, so, and I'm like, I just saw you like five minutes before, she's like, I was sleeping five minutes ago, so I think that people living can still leave their imprint on the location, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that. And you're right. That doesn't always have to be, you know, like a death or something negative. That positive events can also leave an energy behind as well. I think a lot of times we we tend mm-hmm. to forget that sort of thing. Yeah, we, I, I call them happy hauntings. You, you, you got you to have, have happy hauntings, you know, to balance the bad hauntings. And really, like, <laughs> my encounters are generally happy hauntings. I don't have all this negativity. Mm-hmm. I... I'm drawn to it because it's drawn to me. You know, it kind of it kind of comes to me. But I rather I rather have focus on the positive positive hauntings that don't stalk me. <laughs> we all should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now about your your tours, Sam. So those are you're able to do those now on some sort of limited basis. Did we lose Sam again? Maybe. I think we lost now, Sam again. Let me ask you, maybe you know. Does yeah, I can he hear have, you. Oh, hi. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you have certain places that you do your tours, or are they all like events where we need to go sign up and yeah. come see you on tour? Well, I, because, I mean, the more and more books I write and the more uh, events that I do and the more times I appear on television, uh, the more, the less tours I give because <laughs> I'm yeah. just so busy. Right. Uh, but, yeah, but I'm going to get tours in October in Salem uh, this year. I'm doing them with a group called the Witch City Tours, uh, and I'm going to give kind of like special novelty tours, like only like once a week kind of thing and not every night. But yeah, I'm going to be giving tours in October uh, at, with the Witch City Tours. So it kind of depends on the year and the season. And sometimes I kind of come out of retirement uh, <laughs> to, be, to be able to give tours Cause I, I love it. I love, I love interacting with, with people. And I love, I love the ghosts. I love the ghosts, except for the, the man with the hat ghost. It's right. Yeah. yeah. It's like live theater. Um, I'm kind of curious. Do you have a favorite ghost? Favorite ghost? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You mean like <laughs> out of all the other ghosts that I interact with? There, sure. I, I worked, I lived in a, a Victorian mansion when I wrote my first book, Ghost of Ghost of Boston. Mm-hmm. And there was a seamstress ghost that was kind of like my muse throughout the whole process. And I love that woman. And I know it sounds weird, but we were like, we were like ghost best friends. She's like my ghost best friend. And so, yeah, she is my, the seamstress is, and I, I called her scissors sister because she would, um, the scissors would like spin around when she was near. And um, it turns out she was a seamstress. So yeah, oh, scissors wow. sister, my favorite That's ghost. Cool. Yeah, we, <laughs> we seamstresses are like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a seamstress as well, Victoria? And costuming. And oh, design. the costuming. Right, right, right. Of course. Yeah. You'll find it on Halloween. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, so uh, Judy Wilson was wondering if you've been to Gettysburg. I have. And I actually, I was supposed to be at the Gettysburg Battlefield Bash again this year, and it was postponed because mm-hmm. of COVID. But yeah, I, I've i gone, I've investigated with Keith Bailey. We both investigated uh, Sachs Covered Bridge and uh, done multiple locations in the battlefields. And I wrote a book called Ghosts of the American Revolution that's coming out in February. It's oh, not on great. the Civil War, but it does focus on haunted battlefields uh, as well. So I did I did go the area of Gettysburg again for my book, Ghosts of the American Revolution. 
Oh, fantastic. And what battlefields can we expect in Ghost of the American Revolution? Well, I mean, a lot of the ba- the, the battlefields, like, for example, Bunker Hill, which mm-hmm. is Breed's Hill in Boston, uh, is a major player in the book. A lot of it happened in the Boston area. Of course, I went to Philadelphia, and there's a, a battlefield in uh, New Jersey as well that I went to for the book Ghost of the American Revolution. But I really focus on that book on the players, but not the players like Ben Franklin or George Washington, but like Martha Washington. Um, and I, I know that you went to Martha Washington's house, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, she's in my, she's in my book, goes to the American, uh, American revolution. And then, um, people like, uh, like Paul Revere is in it. And then, uh, like, like Peter Salem, uh, who was, uh, one of the, uh, African-American patriots that fought for his country, uh, fought, fought for, uh, for the patriots. And, you know, fought for his freedom and was not given freedom, even though he was promised his freedom for fighting for the country. Hmm. It doesn't sound fair at all. <laughs> it wasn't fair. Yeah, no. the American Revolution. <laughs> we focus on 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 you know like the the patriots, but also try to give a voice to the loyalists as well. And you know, the Oliver House in Middleborough uh, is also a major player in the book, and you know, really focus on their perspective. They were traumatized. I mean, they were attacked by the Patriots. Like they were mm-hmm. horrible things happened to these people, you know, and the ghosts right. are still in our, in unrest because of it. Yeah. That's... How, how would you help them to rest? I mean, how, how do you get past that? I mean, well, Victoria, I, I, I'm a clairvoyant. <laughs> um, so I, I, I get their story and I write their story, but I don't cross them to the light. So, I mean, I think a lot of times they just want, they want to be, to know that their story is told and told correctly. Uh, when I don't tell their story correctly, they let me know. You know, like right. like my first, my Bridget, Bridget Bishop, who I feel like we have this kind of like flirty relationship together. She's the, one of the witch trials victims. Right. She, um, I used to say that her, her, um, Apple Orchard was a was a tavern, uh, was her tavern, and, and she's portrayed in pop culture as like this loose tavern owner, um, mm-hmm. but she, really she never owned a tavern. So when I was giving my tour, an apple rolled out of the blue and hit me on the foot uh, to, re- <laughs> to let me know that I got the history incorrect, and I'm like, thanks, Bridget. And um, so yeah, Bridget Bridget's another one of my favorites. Um, she she's kind of a sassy spirit. Now it's really. I just got to ask, did people really scorn her for playing shuffleboard? Was that really a thing? Did she play shuffleboard? Bridget, Bridget Bishop? Yeah, that was that was one of one of the parts of the story with her that I've heard is that people would scorn her because she would play shuffleboard. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, since you know the history over there, if that was really true. Well, I, yeah, I know Bridget, like back of my hand. So she... Um, she fought with her husband a lot, and if you look at her story, um, she was she was publicly uh, humiliated or publicly shamed for fighting with her husband. And um, she also was a penny pincher, so she wasn't she wasn't a witch, but she was definitely known for getting these beautiful dresses made and then losing her purse. And like, oh, where's my purse? And and so and she couldn't like pay the dressmaker to make her dresses. So. Um, yes, yeah, she, she probably did play shuffleboard, but um, but she also was, you know, like basically like taking away, like stealing dresses, getting them made and, and like running off. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I like her more and more. <laughs> she's, she's sassy. She's a sassy spirit, too. Yeah. 
It's really funny that you've mentioned all these um, giving people voices because I've been trying to start a group for like a year or so, and I just actually started it this week. <laughs> but um, what we're doing is we're trying to give voices and validation to people who don't have a voice anymore. So that's exactly what we're doing, but just in Texas, you know. <laughs> and I, I want to be part of the, uh, the the Boston, Massachusetts chapter as well. Kick <laughs> <laughs> a jacket, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's I think it's important to do that. I think it's important to if you're clairvoyant or you're you know you're investigating these locations and you pick up a voice on it you know on a recorder or you pick up a voice on a spirit box and you know that they're trying to desperately tell their story. It's our job to tell their story. Yeah, yeah usually and, they just show up in the living room. But yeah. yeah, and you're doing that through your writing as well. I mean, these are most of these people have been lost to time, and here you are being a voice for them now and telling their story, which is absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. So, Victoria, you were saying? I'm sorry. Oh, I said usually my people just show up in the living room over here, so they don't. No. I don't have to go see them. <laughs> they pop in. Victoria, you got to set boundaries. I'm like, I'm like, do not come in my house. Like I, I do. When I, when I when I like I do my Facebook Live posts, and I'm like from my not haunted apartment in Somerville, Massachusetts, because I want I want to make sure that the spirits know that they're not welcome in my house. <laughs> I think they were actually here before the house was built. Yeah, you know, they're just out here on the land. So still working like, on that. Yeah. It's like, and yeah, the, when I lived, I lived in a in a, a haunted Victorian uh, before moving here, and I I decided to move into a brand new building just so I would not get the ghosts that I got everywhere else I lived. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna people expect me to live in this like haunted mansion on the corner. Um, I did, I did live in that house, but it was so haunted that I just like I want to live in a, a not haunted. Uh, posh apartment in in Massachusetts. <laughs> but do you I ever bring any? <laughs> yeah, do you ever bring any home with you that uh, you know in that new posh apartment that they kind of visit you anyway? Yeah, yeah, they unfortunately do. Um, I, so I, <laughs> so so I had um, I was featured on a haunting a, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I actually got an attachment that did attach to me, and I was going in and out of consciousness, oh, wow. um, and it had to be removed by um, by a shaman, Michael Robichaud. Uh, that happened to happen before the hat man. So, and it, you know what, that entity that I saw in Salem with the hat could have been that entity that attached to me, you know, like, there could be a tie there too. Yeah. That's interesting. There, there could be a tie there for sure. Hmm. So I have brought it home, but they're not welcome anymore. <laughs> right. So have you set up some awards and uh, protection there around your house then? Yeah. So after after the attachment, uh, Michael Robichaud, we did uh, like a salt barrier uh, with holy water, and so it's like this this barrier. Plus, it's also my energy. I have to basically put off like you know like stay away energy, and like you're not welcome here. And if you put that energy off, they don't they don't cross the the barrier mm -hmm. unless it's something re really important, which has happened. Like where they they kind of reach out to me because they have something important to tell me. Right. Yeah, I know Michael. I have a bottle of holy water from him right over there. <laughs> he gave it to me years ago. But uh, Sam, we're winding down to the end of the show. Really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and run down again um, your books, where people can find you, uh, the podcast, all that great information. Well, you go to my website, sambaltrusis.com. It's S-A-M-B-A-L-T-R-U-S-I-S.com. Has pretty much everything. I highly recommend going to um, paranormalrewind.com to listen to all our back 
uh, radio shows, including the one we had with Mike Ritzecker. Uh, it was a fantastic <laughs> show. And also, if you want to go to get more my books, go to Amazon.com and just type in Sam Baltrus and you'll have access to all the books. Yeah, absolutely. You have some fantastic books here, Haunted Hotels of New England, and then an assortment of others. And again, these are not all of them. 13 Most Haunted Cemeteries in Massachusetts, Ghosts of Salem, Mass Murderers, Wicked Salem, Ghost Writers, uh, Ghosts of Boston, all these wonderful books here. So definitely guys. Oh, hey, Mike, guess what? Yeah. So I, for the first time, I'm turning my book, Haunted Hotels in New England, into an audible audiobook. Oh, so fantastic. That's coming out in October. So for those who don't like to read, and shame on you for not reading, but <laughs> if you like to listen to the books, um, it's going to be available starting October 1st. Oh, wonderful. Definitely have to grab it. Uh, so that'll be on, like, uh, Audible? An Audible, and you'll, it'll be available uh, with my with the other versions of Haunted Hotels in New England on Amazon. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I actually... I, I read books, but I also listen because uh, I'm usually on the road. I mean, this year was different, but I'm usually on the road a lot. And so I'll just, you know, pop in an uh, audio book and give it a listen. So that's great. Yeah. yeah I never, Mike, are you I turning your books, in, your books into <laughs> audio books too? Or? Um, I, the last one I did, the uh, Walk in the Shadows, the, the one on Shadow People, I did turn that into an audio book. Uh, the others I haven't yet, but, you know, I've now, had those you do requests. all the narration yourself? Did you do the narration yourself? I did. I narrated it myself. I, I produced the whole thing myself. It was actually a lot of work, but... Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah, but I was happy <laughs> to do it. And actually, the way I did it, Sam, uh, was I actually did that recording of the audiobook before I had uh, done my final edit of the book. So it was almost like proofreading while I was going through and reading it. That's actually a great idea. That's cheating. That is so cheating. You're, well, because as you're reading, <laughs> you're taking brilliant. it slow. Yeah, because when you're just going back yourself and reading through it, you already know what it's supposed to say, so your mind just glazes over it. But when you have to actually read it, you slow everything down, and so then you're able to see more of the mistakes. Yeah, I never so. read. I don't read at all. <laughs> no, you never right, so do. I made the audiobook just for you, Victoria. <laughs> yeah, I worked in a bookstore 14 years, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam. Again, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We had a great time. We'll definitely have to bring you back soon. Absolutely. Have a good night, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Take care. It was nice to meet you. And hope to see you in you Ireland too. next year. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Ooh, you be my entourage. Come on. Yep, there we go. All right. Take care, Sam. Bye.